It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Studios. TCL. America's fastest growing TV brand. Here's Rondo on the left side. Rondo dribbling under the basket, kicking to Kuzma, top of the key, LeBron. Three-pointer by LeBron is perfect. LeBron has 22-9-9. 101-all. Rondo into the front court. Four minutes left. Three-pointer by Ingram. It's good. Lakers 104. Wolves 101. Exactly four minutes to go. Ingram has 20. Timeout on the floor. Uh, yes, it's very concerning. I think, you know, the, the big thing is to win on the road. It's hard to win anywhere in the NBA, but to win on the road, it takes a lot of toughness. Well, we got to get it done. We can't get out-rebounded every night, and until we fix that, we're not going to be successful. That was the voice of Wolves coach Tom Thibodeau after Wednesday's loss in Los Angeles. Welcome, everyone. We are live and local once again here on 1500 ESPN. It is the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie is out. He has real friends. One of those friends is getting married this weekend in St. Louis. So he is out of town, Judd Zolgad. We're not quite sure Judd has any friends, but he had some vacation to burn. Judd has no friends. What better time, right. Manny, to burn vacation than when the Vikings have a bye? So Perfect. Judd is on his couch, or he's at Bunny's right now, enjoying an adult beverage. I'm willing to bet he's at Bunny's right now. I think that's probably yes. a and pretty good And he's probably been there yeah. for about four hours. Yeah, hopefully he knows how to use the Uber app. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's hope that Judd knows how to use Uber or Lyft. Or he can walk home. He's close enough. He can walk home. <laughs> so I am in. My name is Darren Doogie Wolfson. Manny Hill is here producing, technically directing, and co-piloting. For this first hour, we are going exclusively with Wolves Talk. It'll be a roundtable. Manny certainly is passionate about the Wolves. If you're a regular listener to 1500 ESPN, you know that Manny tracks the Wolves closely. I certainly do as well. Then two gentlemen who follow the Wolves, who cover the Wolves, who are there day in and day out, are in studio. To my left is Dane Moore. He's now a contributor to 1500 ESPN, 1500ESPN.com. Also does great work for zone coverage. To my right, from The Athletic, Johnny Krasinski. So John's in studio, Dane's in studio, I'm here, Manny is here. So we will go hardcore Wolves talk for this first hour. At 4 o'clock, Derek Falvey, Twins Chief Baseball Officer, will join. Richard Coffey, Amir Coffey's dad, in studio with some Gophers talk at 4.30. Pam Borton, the all-time winningest coach in Gophers women's basketball history. The coach of Lindsey Whalen when Lindsey played for the Gophers. Pam Borton on at 5. Sage Rosenfels on at 5.15. I believe Patrick Roycey is also on. The wrap with Roycey at 5.45. So all sorts of crutches 
but all sorts of great guests. But for this first hour, we go all wolves. You know what, Manny? Are we okay opening up the phone lines? If people want to call in and have a question or two for us, sure, we can certainly do that. I'm creating more work for you. 651-646-8255. Call in. There we go. 651-646-8255. But let's start. Let's go big picture. So we'll start with you, Dane, then Johnny, you hop in. All right, let's look big picture. So the Wolves right now are what? 4-8, and 0-7 oh in the Western, excuse me, on the road. In the Western Conference, are they 13th place, 14th place? I think it's 13th, yeah. yeah. I mean, somewhere far removed mm-hmm. from the top eight. I mean, we're talking about a relatively large sample size at this point. I mean, I can do the math real quick. I'm not Will Hunting, but I can do the math real quick. We're about, what, one-seventh of the way through the season. So big picture, start with you, Dane. Big picture, you know, what stands out both good and bad through these first 12 games? Well, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like you're trying to get around the Jimmy Butler conversation. Well, and we'll get to Jimmy, I, I promise. I yeah, well, we'll get there. I actually appreciate that. I mean, I think for those of us who cover this team or just fans with it, I, yes, you, you you want to acknowledge it and you want to think about it, but at this point, I think it's it's just killed the actual basketball part of it. It's it's hard to have a big picture pick a big picture takeaway mm-hmm. as to what's going on with this team because Jimmy's in, he's out, he's not really a piece of this team. And then you mix in a couple other injuries. We don't necessarily have a consistent starting unit. We don't have consistent play. So what well, the big picture is is that it's all mucked up. You know, it's there it's with it's an a M, mess. not enough. With, with an, an M, M. No, yes, no. we're on radio here. <laughs> well, yes. one could argue it's with an F too. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, it's been it's been messy, but we've also seen positive things. Uh, Josh Okogie, I think, would be the number one mm-hmm. uh, point that people could point to. We weren't even sure if he was going to be uh, in in the rotation initially. I think he's he's someone the fan base is latching onto as as someone who plays with energy, but also someone who you can feel confident confident about being here for a an extended period of time because he's a rookie and yeah. But other than that, it's, it's hard to latch on to the, the other young pieces and get really excited about, you know, Carl Towns, who's kind of underperforming Andrew Wiggins. We're not seeing that next big step. So I don't know. Big picture is it's dot, 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 you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like the big picture is that, Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden's plan at the start of the season when they decided not to grant Jimmy's request was that they thought they would come in, win a bunch of games because they have a lot of talent on the roster and that that would sort of calm the waters and maybe even in their pipe dream convince Jimmy that, hey, see, you have talent around you. This is a good place to play. You, we can be competitive and that maybe he might even change his mind and and turn things around and, and you'd pull the Kobe Bryant from back in the day and say, no, I'm going to stick here long term. And what we have found, the only thing that we can kind of really put our finger on right now is that that plan is being flushed down the toilet. Like they have not only... Um, has Jimmy not changed his mind or nor was he ever going to, but they just, they have not played well at all. Um, when he's on the floor, when he's off the floor, I mean, you look at this team, they're all, they're second to last in defensive rating. They are seven sixteenth 16th in offensive rating when they were fourth last year. So everything that they're doing, you know, other than shooting threes now more is, has taken a huge step backward. And so 
the way that I kind of look at it is, you know, there's culpability all around, you know, on the leadership front from Tibbs and Layden and the way they've stuck their head in the sand on this, on Jimmy Butler's front, on the way that he has not been a team player and, you know, not really kind of bought into everything that's going on there. And really, you know, on the young players part as well, I mean, to not play through that and, and sort of try to ignore that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, big picture is that this has been a failure through the first 12 games or wherever they are, they're at right now, four and eight, 12 games. And so, um, you know, you would like to say that, okay, be patient and don't get roped into a bad deal with Jimmy. Don't, you know, do this or don't, don't do that. But the longer that this keeps going on, the more damage I think you just do to this organization in total. Um, and so, when you know you just the, the thing that i keep asking myself every day is what is going to be the thing that convinces them okay fine we have to make some kind of move and we've seen a bunch of evidence so far that okay this should be the thing okay that should be the thing and it, and it hasn't been sooner or later though something has got to change here and i just i i, I don't know what that's going to be why are they so bad defensively you said there's actually a team worse than them yeah, defensive rating wise, Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland. So right, well, I mean, maybe may the only bigger dysfunction right now in the league than the Wolves are, and I think like that. That's been the interesting part is, um, you know, I I can I think you could argue that if you want, you want to look at big picture positives, I think Towns has been more active defensively, totally. Uh, shot blocker, hands active, getting his uh, hands on passes, uh, being more in the right place. Not always, still. I mean, I think pick and roll coverage is still an issue for him. Um, there's still some missed assignments and things, but I think those that are he's, team issues, though, right? Too. Exactly, it, it's not just Towns. Like if you bring up the pick and roll, like those sort of things, that requires a whole team mm-hmm. to do it, and it just looks a lot of times it looks like it's Towns' fault because he's the last line of defense. Right. It's not. I'm not. We're not saying he's he's good, but mm-hmm. he's on a team that has the 29th defensive rating in the league. Yeah. That's not just him. Yeah, and 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 so one of the things that has been the constant so far is that rebounding has been terrible and that has allowed the other teams to extend possessions uh and 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 score more points and 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 part of that is sure on Towns and and Gibson to be a little more active on the glass but all what Jimmy said the other night was the guards and the perimeter guys have to help them out Wiggins. on those yeah Wiggins Teague Rose. Butler himself too Butler has Jimmy's not played well for the most part and i mean there've been a couple of these games lately where he's just he is not the Jimmy Butler that we've seen. And and so all of those things, so then you see the the long rebounds off of threes, you know, bounce out and, and the, the offensive rebound comes, or the back taps from Tyson Chandler aren't chased down by the perimeter guys. And that just extends possessions and makes it harder and harder and harder for them to keep points off the board. Their effort and like connectivity things. Gone. It, it's, yeah. I mean that there's none. Those don't exist and those things show up in defense. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually not new because the Wolves have been terrible on defense. Were terrible on defense last year. They were, I think they were, twenty seventh in defensive rating a season ago. Twenty seventh Tibbs's first season here. So it's not like a progression there. And they've added more defensive pieces when you mm-hmm. when you bring up Gibson and Butler, but nothing's changed. And to me, that's an example of no connection between the players and far less effort than what your opponent's bringing forth. If thirty six year old. Tyson Chandler is is out there 
outworking your 22-year-old center for multiple offensive rebounds on the, the final possession of the game. I mean, that says something. And, and just we, we have a pile and pile and pile of stats that say this team's terrible at defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, I mean, it's recency bias, but you think about Wednesday night. They made 23-pointers. Yeah. You know, Manny opened the show with a few Lakers highlights. He had 20 opportunities to play a Wolves highlight of somebody making a three-pointer. I'm not quite sure the Wolves will have... I mean, this might be hyperbole, but how about for this year? The Wolves are not having another game, I don't think, where they make that many three-pointers. Oh, I think they will. I think they're going to keep getting them up. Uh, Well, next time they do then... They're going to win the game, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe. doesn't Wednesday speak yeah. volumes? If they play defense, they'll yeah. win the game. Yeah, that's right. That's well, I don't know if they're capable it. of playing defense, right. but you make 23 pointers in a game, John. No, yeah. And they lost the game. Yeah. I mean, Derek Rose, seven to nine. You know, I mean, Jimmy Butler was four or five or something like Tosh that. Tosh had three. Tosh hit three. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, so that is another like encouragement for me is that they are shooting more threes and they're being more modern because we have something on The Athletic today, a conversation with myself and Britt Robson, and we're talking about, you know, Britt was kind of wondering, okay, this we've seen the offensive rating slip down to 16th while they've sort of changed their identity a little bit that way. And does that mean that... Um, the that the success of the past that they had with Tibbs in that offense, fourth in the league in offense last year, um, does that mean that it's taken away from their offensive success and it's so it's not going to be sustainable? And like I argued that the fourth in the league last year is not sustainable. Like I, they, I, I thought mm-hmm. that was a great point. They were bringing a knife to a gunfight every single day. And so you, you might have been putting up these numbers, but it, it, you, you're never going to win over the long haul the way they were playing. Mm-hmm. So the way they're playing now offensively, while it may not be translating in the stats, is at least more conducive to the modern NBA and will allow them to eventually have more success that way. But yeah, I mean, if, if they don't play defense, it doesn't matter whether you're doing it ground and pound or whether you're doing it, you know, um, pace and space. So that's the, that I mean, was their that's ceiling, the dichotomy. Yeah, right? Like right. That, that, that fourth in offensive rating last season, the way they played ground and pound, what we're talking about is trying to get to the bucket, get to the free, free throw, throw line, line consistently. That was the ceiling. It was fourth. What I think you could say is for this season, as we're seeing the league evolve again to, to a more efficient offenses, more three-pointers, more pace and space. Scoring's gone up. That, that, Way that up. fourth place, even if you replicated it exactly, maybe is eighth. Right. And then it's not even an elite, elite weapon anymore. And if you're already at the ceiling of it, then that's, then that's dangerous. So it is good. It is encouraging that we're seeing change. We're, we're seeing the team look for three-pointers more often, and they're not totally going away from the two-point shot and getting to the rim. They're not making them effectively, but who knows? Maybe that's a product of small sample size. So there are these little things that are enticing from Thibodeau, who deserves a lot of blame in this whole ordeal, but he is doing some coaching things that are, you know, evolutions from from last season on both offense and on defense. Sure, but when looking long-term, yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, how <laughs> encouraging is it when Derrick Rose is dominating the ball, right? And Derrick's been phenomenal, right? Sixth man of the year. Mm. I mean, he's got more 30-point games than Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, Paul Was it different George. Than Jeff Teague? Derrick Rose has been mm. unbelievable, but he's on a one-year deal. I mean, what are the chances Derrick is here next year, and he is dominating the basketball? 
So well, I'm just saying, how yeah. encouraging overall really is it? I mean, that's to me like the one the the systemic issue with their offense is like not being able to get Carl maximized, and and now part of that is on Towns in terms of the way he gets pushed around off on uh, by bigger bigs and not he doesn't get to his space and things like that. And and I thought against the Lakers, he had nine shots, he just missed them. And and so part of that was on him, and he's got to be more effective. But I, I I still think like Towns had nine total shots in that game. In the in, no in the second half. Oh, okay. In, in, in the first yeah, half, he was, he was great. shooting the ball early. Right. Yeah, and in, then they went away from him. In the first half, he was great, and in the second half, he was, he had nine shots. So it wasn't. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. seen halves where he's had four shots, and where it's like, where is he? Like, right. what's going on? And he had nine shots in the second half, and so that's. Again, you know, for a, for a player of his stature, he should be getting eighteen to twenty shots a game at least, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, it's it's even more than just about shots. It's about touches. It's about inclusion in yes, the offense. Right. And you would see, I promise you, twenty five to maybe twenty nine of the other coaches in the league would be a steady diet of their offense. Would be starting with a high screen for mm-hmm. with Carl Towns on mm-hmm. if it's Rose or Teague or Jones or Butler, whoever they would involve him in the action because. Even if he isn't physically getting the touch and the shot, he's he's included and he it's feels gravity. included. Yeah, and there's yeah, and there's a gravity to him that would make the offense better. But I know in the, the Clippers game, I started tracking it just as I'm as I'm watching it. And he has Danilo Gallinari, who's a good offensive player, but historically a defensive sieve, and he's guarding Towns in that game. They decided to put Boban on Taj Gibson. The first eleven straight possessions, no touches for Towns, mm. and it's like why, why? I, I just I don't I don't understand. But that wasn't unique why. to that particular game. No, I mean, not seen, all the time. I mean that's that's, that's a, like, a regular occurrence it, where he'll go eleven straight possessions without touching the ball. If you can imagine, like if you you remember what Rick Adelman did with K Love, like that should be the model for how you use Towns because Towns has all of Kevin Love's offensive gifts and more. Yep. Now, Love's a little better passer, but I think Towns is a pretty good passer. He just doesn't mm-hmm. uh, he isn't allowed to play quarterback that often. And and so like what whenever I think we can all agree that as long as this keeps going in this direction, there's going to be a new coach here eventually. Now, whether it's at the end of the season or whenever, that's what's going to happen. What the next guy in is going to have to is going and and will willingly Say I have this force of nature, offensive, big for the modern era, and I've got to maximize him, and that's what's got to be a priority. All right, let's do this. You guys or somebody brought up briefly Jimmy Butler. Let's do a deeper dive on Jimmy when we come back. Jeff from Texas must be listening on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. He is on hold, but that means that three phone lines are open. So if you've got a Wolves question, we are doing a Wolves roundtable this first hour of the Mackie and Judd Show. Mackie and Judd on vacation, so Darren Doogie Wolfson here. I'm in. Manny Hill is here. Dane Moore, 1500ESPN.com, ZoneCoverage.com is in studio, as is John Krasinski from The Athletics. So the four of us doing a Wolves roundtable discussion here on 1500ESPN. We will do a deep dive on Jimmy Butler after a brief pause. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 94 eastbound, we've got a crash in Minneapolis. 
uh, between 3rd Avenue and uh, Highway 65, causing about a three-minute delay. So be on the lookout for that if you're eastbound on 94. Otherwise, everything moving rather smoothly, Doogie. I like it, Manny. It wasn't moving smoothly this morning, I can tell you that much. Definitely not this morning. My normal 20-minute commute turned into about 40 minutes, but I suppose inevitable after snow the night before the first snowstorm of the season, even if it's just only one inch. Although I'm looking at some MnDOT camera here. We have multiple TVs here in the TCL broadcast studios. We have the great TCL TV, and then to my left is a small Samsung. I don't know. It doesn't look real encouraging outside right now. (laughs) Seriously. Honest to God, yeah, it's like I am Legend or something, or the Terminator. Yeah, it just it doesn't look good. So, yeah, thankfully we're in the comforts here of of Hubbard Broadcasting. So, yeah, on for the next two and a half or so hours, a three hour extravaganza, the Mackie and Judd Show. Those guys are out on this Vikings by weekend. So, I am in. My name is Darren Doogie Wolfson, but Manny Hill thankfully is here to help guide the ship. John Krasinski from the Athletic is in studio until four, as is Dean Moore from Zone Coverage and from fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Of course, I need to now multitask because I unplugged my headphones. But hey, how about that? I'm able to do that. Let's go to the phone lines, and then we'll go Jimmy Butler. When does he get traded? Heck, does he get traded? Or is he here still on February 8th? You know what? Yeah, well, yeah, it's possible, right? I mean, we're not Rachel Nichols, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, Jimmy is is fully capable of reaching out to media members. So yeah, who knows? Maybe, Maybe it's Jimmy in disguise. But we'll start with Jeff. Listening from Texas on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hey guys. Hey, I I empathize with you. I'm trying to find my car in the parking lot. It's fifty five degrees. I'm freezing my butt off. <laughs> oh. I came off the golf course and I had to wear my stocking cap. Thoughts and prayers, Jeff. <laughs> yes. So two things and both are related. So I've been in Dallas since eighty seven and uh Bill Parcells this is a this is a Glenn Taylor reference. So Bill Parcells used to refer to Terrell Owens as the player, and that interview last week, and with with Glenn Taylor, which he was very elusive and stuff, and he would say, "Well, that's the coach's decision. That was the coach's decision," but he didn't mention Scott's name. And then the second thing, the second question, I don't know. I, I think it's happened in basketball. I know it's happened in baseball with the Milwaukee Brewers, but because it's a franchise industry, can they just step in and say, hey, Timberwolves are up for sale. you got to sell it. You're doing a horrible job, and our brand is more important than your ownership. And can they just force Glenn to sell the team? All right, well, I Hang appreciate the phone call, Jeff. Yeah, we'll put you on hold so you can hear the answer as you – moseying off the golf course there in the in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. On the latter question first, I mean, I suppose, Johnny, if the NBA wanted to step in, it's not quite to that point, though. The NBA, no. Adam Silver is not stepping in, demanding that Glenn Taylor put the team on the market. But I suppose if it really came down to it, heck, didn't they force Donald Sterling for obvious reasons in Los Angeles? Yes. To sell the team, so that's a very rare happen. occurrence. Yeah, but that is a rare but, yeah. occurrence. And, and the other thing is, is that Glenn is really well thought of in the league office, has a great mm-hmm. relationship with a lot of owners, and so that will never happen. I think there's more empathy toward Glenn than anything else right now. Um, but I, I look, I, I think that people around the league are viewing this with concern because it is a disaster, and no one likes to see that happen. 
Um, and I think I, I would wager a heck of a lot of money that there have been either other owners or people in the league office that have reached out to Glenn to at least offer some sort of guidance, some sort of counsel on how to proceed with this because it's kind of hung on as long as as we have. But that, that's how it ends, right? If if Thibodeau is to leave, is he's going to need some sort of consultant to come in and and make the the Butler trade himself. Because if you do fire Tom Thibodeau, so too likely goes the rest of the front office and your people who are qualified to make decisions. So I think we've kind of tied those two things together and maybe glossed over the notion that if Butler is to be traded and it requires Thibodeau going, that might require getting rid of the entire front office. And that is, that's a huge undertaking and a financial undertaking Mm -hmm. for Glenn Taylor, if that were to be the case. Am I right there? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think that kind of leads into his first question about, you know, the coach and not mentioning Scott. Well, like, the, the, I think the one issue that w- one of the issues that this upfront office has is that the sort of little, you know, duo of power is in lockstep with each other. And so they're linked at the hip. So there's no checks and balances. There's no differing of opinions here. Um, there, if you're, if you're wondering, okay, this is clearly not working. Is this the time for Scott Layden to step in as the GM and say, Hey, look, this isn't working. Let's find another way. That's not happening. And, and so if you were to clear Tibbs out and, and, and let's just say you do that and then you say, okay, Scott Layden, it's your job to do. Scott Layden has been, uh, clear where his loyalties lie in this. And so it would take a fresh voice totally. to do it. And so that's why I think that, um, in the timeline of events here, there's going to be a Butler trade before there is any kind of addressing any major shakeup in the front office. Mm -hmm. And is that wise? Probably not. Like if you think you're going to fire your coach and your GM, um, why, you know, would you let them make the decision on this major thing? I don't know. It's just a no. Like what if, what if Thibodeau believes, and he said the whole time, mm-hmm. we're going to do what's right for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And good. Like, if that's true, good. But that's his subjective opinion of what's best for the mm-hmm. Minnesota Timberwolves. If in his mind there is nothing better than Jimmy Butler that is best for the Timberwolves, which I think might be what he believes. I agree. Then a trade will not happen, and we just have this holding pattern. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to continue. And it's it's been 12 games. It's been a, a seventh of the season, Darren. That's what you said. Are we going to double that again and be like in the same place? We're like, well, you know, something needs to happen to make this happen. And, well, and this, it's, it's probably the- right. I mean, they're home for 10 of 12 starting on Monday. There is no sense, at least from my end, that any sort of Jimmy Butler trade is close. So, yes, more than likely, 12 games from now, we'll be having the same discussion. I still firmly believe that Taylor will step in. Mm-hmm. Johnny, I think there's people he leans on. Mm-hmm. Rob Babcock would be one name that I've heard. I mean, does he lean on somebody like Chauncey Billups, who I think would be in line to take over mm-hmm. front office duties when they blow this thing up? I think they do blow it up, but I don't think they blow it up until until April. So actually, I think Glenn steps in until with April? Tibbs still in charge and wow. executes a Jimmy Butler trade himself. I agree. Yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario that happens is that he takes the reins because I 
there's I, I think that in he, what he's tried to do to the to this point is he doesn't want to make a unilateral decision. I think he wants some sort of consensus. Um, I think that he has probably there's a, there's a chance that he's been led astray uh, in terms of maybe the Scott and Tom expressing an openness to making the trade when in reality there hasn't been. And so, you know, the the only thing that I, that I can see that expedites this process is if the losing continues like it has, uh, that's one thing that Glenn reacts to when he sees it in front of him, they're not playing well, it's not going well, something has to change. And then I think, the other thing, Dane, to your point about financials, is um, they're losing money hand over fist right now. No one's buying tickets. And so when they come back for 10 of 12 and they can't sell a ticket. With this big Prince thing, too? Like, I mean, that's. They, they couldn't sell tickets, that. though, for the Lakers game nope. and for the Greek Freak. Nope. They had to They slash. discounted tickets 30%. Yes, exactly. They, and, and so. But Glenn should have the evidence already, you would hope. You, yeah. You, there, it's, it's already there. He's got people telling him this. And so at some point, there will be a realization he's losing money regardless. But he did say, Doogie, on your podcast, he said it's the ownership's responsibility to step in during financial situations, mm-hmm. those that affect the culture, and those that affect change in direction. So by not doing anything and staying in this holding pattern, he's saying the collection of those parts do not, as of now, need to lead to a change in direction. That is what Glenn's behavior is saying is this is okay. Right. His behavior is saying this is okay. And it doesn't matter what we think or what the fan base thinks. He's, for now, seemingly cool with it. And I don't know how long that continues, but it looks like it's continuing. Well, that's to me the most dangerous part of this kind of path that they are on is that it essentially endorses Jimmy Butler's behavior. And it doesn't even, I mean, it matters to the fans because it certainly tarnished the image of the franchise insert joke here about the image of the Timberwolves, but there's no question that they've taken hits publicly for this. Mm -hmm. But the other problem is like Chauncey Billups said in the post game of the ESPN on Wednesday night was that you are showing Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins a blueprint when if they ever get upset with things or unhappy with how things are going that they can get away with all of this and it's going to be okay and it's there's not going to be any consequences for it and that's to me is the thing that Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden and maybe to a degree Glenn Taylor I don't know but definitely the two of them are vastly underrating in this whole thing. They expect these guys to just show up and punch the clock and go to work and act like nothing's happening. But by not penalizing Jimmy Butler at all, by not by playing him 43 minutes, by letting him have a starting spot, by doing all of these things. That's a culture thing. That's a culture thing. And, and that's and, huge. And, and so Carl Towns looks at that and says, this is okay. Andrew Wiggins looks at that and says, this is okay. And so... Um, there gets to be a point where you have to say enough is enough and we're not going to stand for this, even if you brought some of this on yourself by ignoring it all summer long. There's got to be some ramifications, and if there isn't, all you do is open yourself up down the road for more of this to happen. All right, what is the offer where they can eventually say enough is enough, we are executing the trade? Are you okay with them taking back Dion Waiters? Are you okay with them taking back... 
a bad contract like Brandon Knight from the Rockets. We will talk about that when we come back. Plus, we'll take Rick and Champlin's call. It is the Mackie and Judd Show on 1500 ESPN. Darren Doogie Wolfson and Manny Hill in for Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now up for grabs on the 1500 ESPN stream player. Passes to see Creed 2 in theaters. Life has become a balancing act for Adonis Creed between personal obligations and training for his next big fight, accepting a challenge from Ivan Drago's son. I must break you. Under guidance from Rocky, Adonis trains for the showdown with his uh, for the showdown of his lifetime. Now Creed and Balboa must control must confront their shared legacy as the past come back uh, comes back to haunt each man. Creed 2 is in theaters November 21st. Enter to win your passes now on 1500 ESPN Stream Player. We are good, Manny. Okay, we're back. Yeah, 337 here on 1500 ESPN, the TCL Broadcast Studios. Darren Doogie-Wolfson, Dane Moore, John Krasinski, Manny Hill. All right, boys. When is enough enough? Like, the Wolves could have made the deal, what, three weeks ago, but they would have had to take back Dion Waiters, who's got three years at $12 million a year left on his contract. But they could have gotten Josh Richardson. Right. All right. Who they probably can't get now. Maybe not, yeah. I mean, there's no sense. I mean, even Pat Riley... He was doing a charitable event yesterday in the Miami area. I mean, he went on the record saying, we're not active mm-hmm. in any trade talks. And actually, I take him at face value. I mean, we get lied to I all agree. the time. But in this particular case, I think he's actually telling the truth that, that he's not active in, in any trade dialogue. And Josh Richardson is playing phenomenally well. So, yeah, I don't think right now Josh Richardson is on the table. So I'm on record. I would have made the deal three weeks ago. Just to wash my hands of the situation. Which did. And just because I love Josh Richardson. Richardson, and I would have taken back Deion Waiters. But it's not like it's Gorgie Jang in that deal too. No, no, you don't. No, because so it's not indefensible. What I'm getting at is I would have done it, but I can't sit here and just destroy Tibbs and Layden for not making that deal. I get it. The waiters' contract is a negative contract, so I mean I get it why they said no to that deal. I get it why you're saying no to the Houston Rockets deal. Brandon Knight's knee is shot. He's done. He's got two years at fifteen million dollars left on his deal per year. I don't want Brandon Knight on my books for next year at $15 million. The 2019 first-round pick is pick 27 with Jimmy Butler. 2021 first-round pick, probably in the late 20s. 2023, 2025, who knows? But Daryl Morey is a great executive. So I don't think Houston is hitting rock bottom anytime soon. So I don't want Houston's garbage plus four first-round picks. So I get why they told Houston no. And why turn Houston into a Western Conference powerhouse? But when is enough enough? Is there a particular deal that's sitting there from where you two sit where you would say, okay, enough is enough. Let's pull the trigger. Let's make that trade today. Well, I think we knew what deals were at the beginning of the season, kind of before it started or right when it was starting. And I, my understanding is there was a time when they could have gotten Josh Richardson Without giving, without also taking on Deion Waiters, hmm. and that being Josh. Well, Richardson then they messed up. If it was Olnick and, 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 and Olin. Richardson, to me, they they messed up huge. Yeah, and I think so. That's that's the one that we can really point to because it's it's not complicated. It's Richardson and Olenek for Jimmy Butler. There's not. We don't got to talk about pick protections and the futures of 
all of that stuff in the Houston deal. I say that, yes to that 100 out of 100 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Kelly would be a rotational do. guy. He could help you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it'd be a, a bit tricky with a lot of extra bigs, and Kelly's not exactly on a, a great deal himself. I think he's making $13 million a year. It's not horrible, though. It's not, it's not horrible. He's not a bad player. I'm just a little bit of devil's advocate there. It's it's not a total no-brainer either, I think. And now it's looking more like it with the Josh Richardson and it and how think with how Josh Richardson has played mm-hmm. and how things have gone for the Wolves and how Josh yeah, Josh Richardson looks like a really good piece right now that you would you would like to take back. I just think it's really hard to speculate on trade talks, you know, period. You kind of need to know the whole everything that like goes into the deal. And that's what makes the Houston one really difficult me to for me to have an opinion on because we don't know if those are four unprotected first round picks. Yeah, you're you're right, Doogie, that they're probably not going to be very good right now. But we don't know. It was the same thing with Brooklyn when they traded exactly. for KG and Paul Pierce. Like those were that became something that has completely changed the Boston Celtics making that deal. Will, would that happen for the Wolves? We don't know. But well, it, would you make that deal then? I mean, I bet if you called Houston today, yeah, four unprotected. Yeah, Houston that, would do that, it. You could trade Jimmy Butler. I'm. For I don't four, know this one hundred percent, but. I don't think you it's think much of a leap four? to suggest. If you call Daryl Morey today and said, we'll make the deal. Yes. Give us Chris. Give us Knight. I was told they also offer Nene, if you want to take back Nene. Give us those three players and the four first-round picks, and Jimmy Butler's yours. You would make that deal today? If they're unprotected, yeah. Okay, Next if question. they're unprotected. Next question. Would mean, you make that, Johnny? Like, I, 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 so I, would, See, I, I still wouldn't. I, I, what I like about the picks is, as Dane was saying, I think Houston's shelf life here is like two to three years. Even if you get Jimmy Butler, I think Chris Paul's getting older. Butler may not even stay there for all we know. Right. Um, Don't and, you think he, he would, though? You think so, maybe, but he gets injured, too. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so I think the chances of that falling apart, it's already teetering a little bit at the start of this season. And so I think the chances of pick, the picks three and four in that package being really good, or lottery picks at least, are... Up there, and you could repurpose those. Yeah, you can repurpose those for another player. You have, you would then have four more unprotected picks to go along with all of your first round picks. They could go out and get another guy this this coming summer. My whole stance is with the whole big picture of the Wolves when we talk about the future is you need to find another player who's more in the age range of Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, not Jimmy Butler, who's seven years older than them. Another guy like that that can pair with that group and if that type of player becomes available in the next couple years I think about Bradley Beal someone like that and you're loaded up with first round picks to go do that that's good for the the long term future of this franchise in my opinion that's of the options though that would be I'd take that even over Josh Richardson and Olenek in my opinion uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like Richardson in, in terms of his contract, yeah. the way his contract is structured and what we've seen from him so far. Like, like I I just like the way that that pecking order would be sort of established yeah. there, too. I think they fit the maybe three he's of that, them. Maybe he's that guy that I'm maybe. talking about, that that age range of, of Towns and Wiggins. Yes. And it fits in well there. He's a little more... like, And I don't know what... The only thing is, like, I don't know his personality-wise, but, like, one thing that made the Towns, Wiggins, Levine thing promising, even with the, the inherent issues, was that... They were boys? They were boys. And yeah. Levine was kind of this charismatic dude in between the quiet guy and sort of the... Whatever you want to call <laughs> yeah, Towns. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, just like the 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 franchise guy. 
And and so he was the connective tissue that sort of kept those three together. And that we don't have that with Butler, obviously. Now, Butler's a hundred times better player than Levine, but it's fractured because a lot because of just the personality differences. If Richardson could come in and just know that he's not the A number one guy, but is also really, really good and on both ends of the court. Like I like that deal. Now again, I think that I don't think that that's necessarily available to them anymore. I think Miami has seen how poorly the Wolves are playing, seen what a mess this is, and seen how well that Josh Richardson has started the year, and said, "Hey, if we still want Jimmy Butler, but you're not getting Josh Richardson anymore." If I think you that's want, fluid, though. Don't it you? Pro- yeah, it, that could change. Like by February, that what's could the change. deadline? February sixth, yeah. February seventh. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if Miami. Put Richardson it's possible because for as good as Richardson has been, Miami has been underwhelming. Like they're not playing well, mm-hmm. and they need you, a star. You brought that up a lot. Is is Miami isn't playing well? Houston isn't playing well. Washington, another team. Philly, throw, Philly. That that it makes sense that maybe they would find a need for for a Jimmy Butler. I wonder though if you need a, a third team to facilitate a deal, which I'm assuming they will. If well, they, it's the team they're playing tonight, and that's what I'm saying. Who's playing good? So right. does do Sacramento want to jump they in They don't right want to take say, Gorgie anymore. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what right? I'm saying. That was the danger of starting this year the way that it was. Right. Like Because in, on one respect, teams are a little reluctant to deal because everyone likes their team at the start of the year and they want to see how it goes. But the risk was always, if things go this way, where you're playing poorly and another team flashes up, that changes the parameters even more. Like I had always heard that Sacramento was lukewarm on even being taking Gorgian as it was, but you probably could have convinced them in the right structure. You mean like with two? Or like I think they needed multiple picks. picks. Yeah, they need whether well, it was a could, first and a second yeah, or maybe. something like that. I mean, not necessarily two firsts, right? But I don't think one first was right. was convincing them to take on three years and forty six million. But, I, but that's what I'm saying deal. with Houston. Then you got four more. That right. you can make that happen. Give them two first round picks. Then yeah, but why do you case. even need to dump Gorgie? Maybe that, that that's to me is like that's where I have a problem. Or I might it, be on an island here, but I actually think Gorgie's a decent player. He's fine. You're but. never you're never going to be able to bring in another piece if you keep Gorgie. That's that's the reality. It's not like this is a free agent destination. Well, so what piece are you bringing in? I I think this you you've seen that. I mean, Jeff Teague signed here. Tosh Gibson signed here. I think Carl Anthony Towns, I know he started the season poorly, but as a couple more years go on and he becomes 24, 25 years old, this becomes more of an attractive destination because he's a stud. In the same way that New Orleans wasn't an attractive destination with Anthony Davis, players will go to partner up with a guy who gives them a shot to contend. And Carl Anthony Towns has the ceiling in his potential to to become that guy. And if you just keep Gorgie Jang along with keeping Andrew Wiggins and Carl Towns, you're capped out. That's how it goes. You don't you don't have money to go and get anybody else. So I think, yes, you do need to get off of Gorgie Jang's contract. He's a fine player. He's not a zero. It's not I like hope he Gorgie's not be. listening to this, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's pregame nap time. He's not listening. I, and no. you know what? And even with all that, we're talking about we're talking about dollars and cents. We're talking about assets. In, in this situation, and you just look at the books, pull it up. You got a salary cap, and, and you, if you don't have space, then you, you're not going to bring in anybody else. So, sure, you want to just roll it out with Andrew Wiggins and Carl Towns as your two guys, and then 
a bunch of like mid-level exception type guys like Anthony Tollers to fill it out. This team's not going anywhere. All right, hang tight. We brought up Philadelphia. Philadelphia is still intriguing to me when it comes to Jimmy Butler. Plus, Rick and Champlin's been on hold forever. Rick, I promise. When we come back, we will take your calls. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Dane Moore, John Krasinski, Manny Hill filling in for Mackie and Judd. Derek Falvey from the Twins is scheduled to join us in about 13 minutes. It's 1500 ESPN. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. We're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are actually back on vacation. So Darren Doogie Wolfson is in 352 TCL Broadcast Studios. Dane Moore, John Krasinski still in studio for another segment before Derek Falvey of the Twins joins the extravaganza. All right, on Philadelphia when it comes to Jimmy Butler. I had heard that Brett Brown, who's the coach, but he was the acting general manager, certainly has a fair amount of say when it comes to personnel moves. I was told he's the one that's offering some reluctance, whether that's true or not, but I was led to believe that by by somebody that's certainly in the know. But maybe he eventually comes around. You're right, Philadelphia is not exactly blowing anybody away right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we thought maybe Philadelphia was the third best team in the East entering the year. Well, now it's Jimmy Milwaukee. Would be a, Jimmy or, would be a game changer for them. Yeah, maybe Milwaukee's well, second be, and Boston's third. Who but knows? The, but what Philly's you, not in that top three. What you worry about with Philly is the young guys, right? I mean, they're, they they are built on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid mm-hmm. going forward. Sounds a lot like Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Exactly. Yeah. Now, maybe, maybe they're a little different mentality. Maybe... Maybe they're just better players, and maybe that works a little bit more. But I, I do think that, and I know that there are some people in the Philly organization that view that with some trepidation mm-hmm. about bringing Jimmy in there. So um, it doesn't no mean they won't do it. They're not but. really close. And Bede and Simmons aren't like right. best buds. And so I would think if I was them, okay, bring Butler in. And Butler is a guy who is apt to take sides with a, a certain guy. Do you end up... He he goes on Team Simmons and you yeah. cause a schism in their lo- locker room. I I don't know. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that they're they have to be looking at the long term. I mean, these guys are the young guys that they're going to keep around for ideally, you know, the next seven eight years at least. And so um, if they go into a panic move, the chances of it. Maybe maybe it does hit, and maybe they win a championship. Okay, um, but I think there's also a, there's a lot of risk to go with a lot of reward there, and they believe that they've built a a foundation that can be good for a really really long time. And if you upset that, um, you know, then then that that's a, that that would be a big risk. Rick in Champlin, Dan, I'll get to you okay. in just a second. But Rick in Champlin, I appreciate your patience. Hello, fellas. Fantastic conversation. I thank you. Well, thank we you. appreciate you listening. Hey, Philadelphia, Covington, DiVincenzo, and Filler. I like that. Well, DiVincenzo is on, on Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, and he's oh, playing well. Sorry. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, That's the Villanova thing, though, right? What me about this whole situation Pulse. is uh, Thibodeau has taken the joy out of playing the game. He's probably taken the joy out of the administration. And that bothers me to no end. I mean, you have to have a certain amount of joy to play. And I see no fun on the floor now. No, I, th- I look. I think you're right. In in it is a joyless group. Um, I know that 
I think several of us have sort of brought that up over the last couple of years and they, you know, we get kind of chided um, from the people in power of like, oh, what do you want? Just, you know, puppy breath and cinnamon. You want, you know, want, you know, you know, bear hugs and uh, and, and high fives. That's not going to get it done. We got to get we need competitive guys who want to win and want to push each other and and are a little nasty. And that's what what it's going to take. I mean, you know, I think the Clippers of the Lob City generation went through that same sort of assessment and body language experts and things like that. And, um, and so there are people that will discount that, but I do think that when you are going through times of trial as they are right now, and you have this sort of culture or this, this sort of overall feeling of misery that only exacerbates the problems. Just got to play hard for 48 minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's all you need to know. I mean, there's more guys in that locker room. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the sense there's more guys in that locker room that side with Jimmy than, you know, than management not taking action, for example. I mean, he misses three weeks of training camp slash the preseason, then shows up, but he's not fined. Mm -hmm. And I think think most of the locker room was like, you know what? But that's the prerogative. (laughs) Management, are you kidding me? I mean, if you're going to let him, if you're going to enable him to do that, he's back, he's a hell of a player, we'll take him. You know, I, you know, I think that's the right though. Like it's a job for them. You know, they're, they're putting their heads down and like going to work. Yeah. Would maybe us on the outside like to see a little more hand wringing from one of them, somebody say something. Sure. But you know, there's incentive for them to keep their head down, not be the squeaky wheel and put together the best numbers they can for themselves. Cause they're playing for a job. They're playing almost this entire roster is a free agent next year. Yeah, You know, they don't want to be the malcontent. And so, you know what? I think that's their prerogative. And is Rick, was Rick the caller? Is that mm-hmm. what his name was? Yeah, Rick. You yeah. know, and I think it's Rick's prerogative too, to be upset with this product and say, I'm not having fun watching this. I don't, I don't want to tune into Fox Sports North. I don't want to go buy tickets. That's his prerogative. And it's also Tom Thibodeau's prerogative to do whatever he sees fit to do because he was given full autonomy over this entire situation. So we're just in this, these multiple different sort of silos where there isn't cohesion and, it's it's a mess because of those things because I, I would say namely because Thibodeau has been given that autonomy to do whatever he wants, neglecting the fan base and whatever. That's right. I mean, the, 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 that's right. There, <laughs> there is, uh, you know, before it's an interesting kind of dichotomy that you have here because before Tibbs arrived, the Wolves were fan friendly, um, kind of opened their doors because they had to. They also lost a lot of games, yeah. and and so um, now Tibbs comes in and sees kind of how they operate and thinks, okay, we've got to batten down the hatches here. We've got to, you know, we don't need players out in, you know, signing autographs, and we don't need fans in the back hallways, and even if, when it comes to our sponsors, yeah, we don't need, yeah, we don't <laughs> I mean, need all of that. We just need yeah. to worry about basketball, and I'm going to win, and that's going to take care of it. And he was. Almost right, because last year they win 47 games, 18 sellouts, most since 90-91 or 91-92. Fans were coming around, even though you saw some of the issues and they weren't as fun to interact with and things like that. Fans did gravitate to the winning, but you have to be able to sustain that. You know, Bill Belichick can get away with doing what he does because they win an awful lot and they win titles. But right now the Wolves are four and eight. Exactly, Manny. Yeah. There you you are not winning enough 
to have that benefit of the doubt. And so when and when you fall on hard times, no one's going to catch you on the way down the way that Flip would have been caught or the way that some others would have. When Dwayne Casey got fired, there was a lot of people standing up for Dwayne Casey at that moment because of the way that he conducted himself. And it's he still had to wait a long time for another job uh, until he got the Raptors job. But like he had allies within the organization that were going to go to bat for him and, you know, in the public that were going to go to bat for him. Tibbs doesn't. And that's the problem. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Quickly, Twitter handles. I've had too many adult beverages over the years where my brain cells are are limited. There's certain things I can remember. I can't particularly remember, Dane, your official Twitter handle. Dane Moore, and, NBA. Yeah, and, and you do great work. Zonecoverage.com yes, sir. and 1500ESPN.com. Johnny? At John Krasinski, common spelling, J-O-N-K-R-A-W-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. And he does fine work for The Athletic. John Krasinski, Dane Moore. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me in studio for the last hour. Manny, you'll hang around for the next two hours. When we come back, Twins Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey. He just got back last night from the general manager meetings. Are the Twins close to making a trade? Are they close to signing a free agent? Maybe Derek will offer up some information on that front. Heck, if he wants to announce some sort of signing, we're open ears. But hopefully he'll offer up a little insight on what took place the last four days. And Carl's Bad California. We'll talk to Derek right after this.